Hello, Acolytes, and welcome to our library. It is in this room where we keep our great literary treasures, a crystal decanter of brandy, and large overstuffed leather chairs. This is our haven, where we retire for coffee and contemplation. It is here where we practice our craft, peruse arcane manuscripts, and discuss the perplexities of life and the cosmos. This is also where X keeps his porn. Milf Hangers, Volume 12, Issue 9. Chrissy Lynn. Hot damn. Indeed, she is a looker. But that's not why we've invited you here today, friends. Tis the season to be jolly, and we thought it would be fun to share some of our favorite holiday traditions, myths, and legends from around the world with you. So gather those you love close to you and join us here in the library. The fire is warm and bright. And the Yule Log's not the only thing that's lit, because I've been drinking since 2 o'clock this afternoon. I'm already seeing double and hearing triple. (laughs) So wrap up your naughty bits and put a ribbon on them like you won first prize. Welcome to the third annual Kiss the Goat Holiday Extravaganza. Let's consider the horror movies that delve into the supernatural realm with a particular focus on demonic activity. I'm Cootie. And my name is X, and this is... Kiss Kiss the the Goat. Goat. Light a candle for the sinners, set the world on fire. This Yule Circle is closed, and no one may leave or enter without the express written permission of World Championship Wrestling. This is episode 39 of Kiss the Goat, and welcome to it. Everyone, please whip out your Asherah poles and... Welcome from the great beyond, our forever friend and patron, anti-saint of Kiss the Goat, Cindy Sin Fallon. I was raised by wolves. (laughs) (laughs) This is the original Sin, Cindy Sin Fallon. Blessed Yule Sin, wherever you are. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know that one of the great things about our holiday specials is making X drink the most horrible shit humanly possible. Last year it was uh, white wine and Everclear sangria, and the year before it was hot buttered rum. Yeah, fuck you, Mike Merriman. (laughs) This year we've just decided to let X choose his own poison, and right now he would like to tell you about it. So this is a drink I like to call Dinner. Take a 48-ounce tumbler and fill it with ice. Now, into that tumbler, you pour four shots of some nice 
mid-shelf vodka. I prefer Sky or Baru, whatever. Doesn't matter. You could you can pick up a guy from under the bridge and have him pissed into a thermos bottle, take it home and dump that under your glass. Whatever <laughs> whatever works. Anyway, four shots of vodka, fill the rest with Pepsi, and that's dinner. Uh-huh. And just how much dinner have you had so far, X? Six dinners. Six. <laughs> it's going to be a fun show. <laughs> we'll be back after this break to start our celebration proper. Happy holidays, uh, X, Cootie, and uh, fellow acolytes. I know 2016 has been pretty hard on us for losing some of our favorite actors, singers, songwriters, etc. I'm hoping 2017 will be a little bit nicer to us. I also just wanted to say it's been it's been great having all you guys talk to and bullshit with about all my favorite devil movies and various other crap on the Facebook. And thankful that uh, X actually plays my messages because I'm kind of a dingleberry. Anyways, your favorite angry ginger says happy holidays. Thank you guys. Bye. So if vodka and Pepsi is dinner, what's dessert? Vodka and Mountain Dew. <laughs> of course it is it's light and refreshing welcome back to the third annual kiss the goat holiday extravaganza as we sit here in our sumptuous library by the firelight surrounded by floor-to-ceiling mahogany bookcases not bad for a two-bedroom apartment the snow is falling softly outside and we've been reading about how different people celebrate the holidays around the world people do some fucked up shit my friends well, different cultures celebrate in different ways. Yeah, and they're weird. <laughs> For example, in the Huangdang province of Japan, which is rural, back in the damn mountains, uh, they don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah, that's fine. A lot of people don't. But these folks celebrate Samantha Baker's birthday. Who the hell is Samantha Baker? It is Molly Ringwald's character from Sixteen Candles. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, listen. They're okay, because they're separated from society. The first Western movie, I don't mean Western like, hey, bang, bang, cowboys. I mean, like, Western culture movie they ever saw was Sixteen Candles, which was a terrestrial broadcast that was picked up by the only television in the village on December 25th, 1991. Uh-huh. You're so full of shit. So they celebrate Molly Ringwald's 16th birthday every year, and that's their holiday. That's ridiculous. They thought it was real, and they were entranced by the charming antics of Anthony Michael Hall in a funny, bittersweet, coming-of-age comedy. I have to say, that sounds horrible. I think I'd rather listen to Pat Robertson talk about the true origins of Christmas. I can arrange that. And now it's time to visit Mr. Robertson's Neighborhood to find out what Reverend Pat has to say to us today. Okay, this is David who says, We have friends who do not celebrate Christmas because they say December 25th is really a pagan holiday. While I agree that Jesus may not have been born on December 25th, he certainly was born as described in the Bible. How do I respond to them? Well, in a sense, tell them they're right. Uh, you see, the... the, the Winter solstice, a couple of days later, was the shortest day of the year, and the pagans had something called Saturnalia, and it was a time of lawlessness because all the laws were suspended, and 
people, the, a bunch of singers who actually wandered the streets naked singing, and, and then they had orgies, sexual orgies. It was a mass thing. Well, when the Catholic Church came along in Italy, the, the Romans and others didn't want to give up their holidays, so they said, okay, we'll Christianize it. And uh, so they said, okay, we'll say the birth of Jesus was the 25th of December. They, and then there was a, a monk who began to add it up. You see, uh, if you read in Luke, it, it says there's a census taken when Quirinius was governor and so forth and so on. And uh, they, they could take those leaders and figure the exact time dating from the foundation of Rome. And that's when the dates were established. And so they get pretty close to the date. but. Uh, to say it's the 25th shepherds were out abiding in the field, it gets a little cold at night. I mean, were they out there in the middle of winter? I, you know, I don't know what, what was going on. So all this business about mistletoe, pagan. Christmas trees, pagan. Giving out gifts, pagan. Every bit of it is pagan. Every single bit of it is pagan. We've Christianized it all. And uh, so that's good. And so we have time. We celebrate for Jesus. And everybody gets all misty-eyed. But the truth is, we, they're all pagan. <laughs> but the birth the of Jesus. But the intent of the heart is what it's about. Exactly. So we have Christianized all these things. We give gifts in the name of Jesus. We celebrate his birthday. And uh, it's a nice thing. And so I'm, I'm very delighted. And I like Christmas. I just warmed the cockles of my heart. Mm, I sure do love me some hot cockles. <laughs> yeah, I heard that about you. <laughs> you know, that Pat Robertson bit reminded me of a song I heard around this time last year. Oh, by gum, I think you're right. Now, how did that go? They say there's a war on Christmas. Christians must fight to protect all the things they believe about Jesus' birth. Long-held traditions and the rest of that shit well, If they would open their Bibles They would find a few things are not there And the story they're so sure is scripturally based Has been embellished over time with incorrect details It doesn't say Mary wrote a donkey We don't know how she got to Bethlehem does say that she came with Joseph, which makes that whole virgin birth thing incredibly suspect. There's nothing in the scriptures about innkeepers. They probably just stayed with some friends in a cute little house away from the main house. The Greek word is kataluma, which just means guest chamber. Who less livestock in their kataluma? Nobody I know. That's for sure. There wasn't a stable. No cattle were lowing. No hungry boat came to eat the placenta. Christmas, it's a wondrous time. Especially when it snows. Although Jesus was more likely born in September. During the time of the Feast of Tabernacles, when people normally traveled around to visit their families, Joseph and Mary could have been in Bethlehem. Weeks before Jesus was born And the Bible doesn't state how many wise men there were It just says how many gifts they brought 
And while we're on the subject of misinterpretation, why do people think Mary Magdalene was a whore? She's not the same person as the woman at the well. And she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped over their hair. That would freak me out if it happened to me. Oh, Christmas, it's a happy time. Filled with deceit and lies that eventually became the truth for millions of uneducated people who won't do any research on their own. Christmas presents originated with pagans. So did Christmas trees and Christmas wreaths. So, so did the archetype of Santa and the burning of fuel logs and the usage of greenery and lights for decorating the home to make it cheery in the winter. The traditions the Christians are defending. They are rooted in pagan beliefs. It's not a defense. It's a history and it's facts. So if there's a war, it's probably against Saturnalia. You stole all our shit. You appropriated it. Now we want that shit back. So stick your feelings right up your manger. Hail Santa, give me more wine. You stole all our shit. Appropriated it. Now we want that shit back. So stick your feelings straight up your nativity. Hail Santa, and give me more wine. Everybody sing it with, never mind, shit and appropriated it. It would be cool if you gave that shit back and stopped talking bad about us behind our backs. So stick your feelings right up your crush. Hail Santa, and give me more wine. One more time for the kids. You stole our shit, you appropriated it. And now we want all of it back. So stick your feelings right up your buttholes, El Santa, and give me more wine. You have the voice of an angel. Yeah, well, then I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back right after this, kids, with movie time. Movie time. Hey, this is X from Kiss the Goat. Do you know we have a website called KissTheGoat.com? You know what's at KissTheGoat.com? Tell them, cutie. Did you know that you can buy Kiss the Goat t-shirts and bottle caps and mugs and other apparel to show your support for your favorite podcast at KissTheGoat.com? Tell me more. <laughs> well, you can go to kissthegoat.com and click on Wear the Goat, and you will see a vast selection of apparel and accessories that you can purchase with your favorite podcast logo. Wear the Goat? Wear the Goat. Oh, well, he's at kissthegoat.com. <laughs> They're the Goat. You know, over in Croatia, they make a big deal about the Krampus. It's kind of like. <laughs> He's like the Christmas monster. He goes after bad boys and girls, and he puts them into a burlap sack and carries them away. Yeah, yeah, like the anti-Santa. Yeah, right on. Yeah, he's usually described as like a giant goat-like creature, which, you know, welcome. <laughs> right? With big tongue and crazy eyes. Just a demon-looking thing. But in some towns in northern Croatia, and this is interesting, Krampus is portrayed as a traveling troubadour. And he plays guitar, and he sings old sea shanties and love ballads. Huh, really? Yeah. Uh, they call him the Minstrel Krampus. How long have you been working on that one? Uh, 
good 30 seconds, maybe 40. <laughs> right. Well, at a place called Hell's Township, there exists a volume known as the Book of Claus. And inside that book, you can find the real story of Santa Claus. And it's not what you might think. Well, at least that's the idea behind 2005's Christmas horror comedy, Santa's Sleigh. A crazy flick takes all of your holiday traditions and jackknife power bombs them through the floor. <laughs> if you know the movie, and if you know anything about X, you know why he watched this movie in the first place. Goldberg! Goldberg! That's right. This is the movie that stars professional wrestling icon Bill Goldberg as Santa Claus. He's great! <laughs> Fucking Goldberg! Can I... Can I get another drink before we start in on this? Might your mama do what you want? Alright, 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 be right back. <clears throat> so, Santa Slay is. Um, uh, th- this movie is. Right, uh, let's go ahead and listen to the trailer for Santa Slay starring. Grandpa, I want the truth about Christmas. If it's the truth you want, then it's the scary truth you're gonna have. According to the Book of Claus, Santa, Satan's only son, lost a bet and was forced to spread Christmas cheer. But now, all bets are off. Santa? Yes, there is a Santa Claus. or a legend. He's real. Only he's not bearing gifts and presents anymore. Christmas can sure scare the dickens out of people. He's scary yet educational. I'm just trying to spread a little yuletide fear. Are you saying Santa is offing everyone who's naughty and nice? Oh my god! Nicholas shot him! You shot Santa? This holiday season. Lock your doors. Bolt the windows. Grandpa got run over by a reindeer. Everyone stand back. Things are about to get a little messy. And block the chimney. Cause naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Santa's sleigh. Go ahead, kid. Let's see what Santa got you. I hate children. Let's talk about Santa's sleigh uh, from 2005. Produced uh, by Brett Ratner. This is probably the best thing he ever did. He's known for bringing us... Um, the Rush Hour franchise and <laughs> Tower Heist and some other just wretched shit. So thanks for at least making this one good movie, Brett Ratner. <laughs> right. Shout out. So the movie starts um, in a very interesting fashion because it's 
It's a Hanukkah dinner. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, these are all famous. These are all famous Jewish people. Fran, are they? Fran Drescher, uh, Chris Kattan, who I think is Jewish. James Kahn, who's probably, you know, Italian Jewish Catholic. <laughs> There's a lot of those about. That's what he was in The Godfather, right? He was Italian Jewish Catholic. Um, <laughs> anyway, Fran Drescher definitely is Jewish. Um, and that's been like the hallmark of her career is is being that. Yeah. Well, regardless, this is like the best opening sequence of any holiday movie ever. Oh, man, because all these people are just terrible, terrible, terrible people. The shit they talk about, you know, just money and who they're fucking and how awesome they are. And, of course, James Caan is like the father of the whole group and he can't stand any of them. Uh, even the dog is shitty. <laughs> well, there's a little rat dog. So Santa comes down the chimney, which, of course, surprises everyone, and he kills all of them. Thankfully. Because if I'd had to suffer any of those any longer, I would not enjoy the movie. <laughs> he kicks Chris Kattan through a china hutch. He beats Rebecca Gayhart in the head with a table leg. He, sets, he lights Fran Drescher on fire. And with... then drowns her in eggnog. <laughs> it's fantastic. Shoves forks through both of James Kahn's hands, which is really kind of a funny Luca Brasi reference, if you think about it. Not for long. <laughs> but at least think about it. And then he, like, chokes him with a turkey leg. So, that's pretty great. That's how the movie starts. Immediately, five people dead. <laughs> It's pretty great. He even kicks the dog into the freaking ceiling fan. <laughs> yeah, and that pretty much just sets the tone for the entire fucking movie. Um, Goldberg, I don't know if he did any other movies, but I gotta tell you, he was pretty fucking great in this film. The, yeah, this is the monster heel turn from Goldberg that we never got. <laughs> When he was wrestling. Because he's just... Doesn't give a shit. He's just mean. Um, the next scene, there's, there's... There's a deli that's important. The guy who runs the deli is Jewish. There's a lot of Jewish people in this Santa movie. Um, Saul Rubinek, who's a very famous Canadian Jewish guy, runs the deli. And, of course, there's two cute kids who work at the deli, and you just know they're going to get together if they can just stop being so fucking awkward around each other. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, 16 years old. Um, and the one kid, the, the guy, is one of the main characters in the movie, and his name is fucking Nicholas Yuleson. Right. That's the kind of... That's the kind of... Uh, level of humor we're dealing with in this film, which is not a complaint. Every potential holiday pun that can be made is made in this movie. Yep. It is, it's like an old Shelley Berman skit. This is Borscht Belt humor at its finest. You just, you don't get this anymore. So anyway, there's this bitch at the deli who's complaining, and she cusses at everybody, and she's really kind of a fun character. And she's driving home. She can barely see over the wheel. She's weaving all across the road. 
But Santa in his sleigh with his, they say it's a reindeer. That's not a fucking reindeer. That's like, no, a, that's like a bison. That's a fucking bison. <laughs> so he's in his bison drawn sleigh and he can't get past the old woman. So, um, cause she's weaving too much and he yells, move bitch, get out the way. Get out the way, bitch, get out the way. And he runs her off the fucking road. But the point is, you've got Santa Claus quoting ludicrous. <laughs> I would not have known that. <laughs> yes. Move, bitch. Get out the way. Just serious. I mean, okay, granted, 2005 and people still quoted Luda at that time. But that's just hilarious to me that they actually went there. Santa cusses. Santa does better than cuss. He murders people. This yeah. is this is wacky dystopian Yuletide. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes where he's killing people in this movie takes place in the local titty bar. <laughs> <laughs> Gold diggers. Gold diggers. Where he goes in and proceeds to kill all of the bouncers. Uh, and just this amazing fight scene that involves a pickaxe and a shovel and a stripper pole, which he has to clean before he rips out of the floor. <laughs> There's been cooter on that. <laughs> stripper cooter, you don't know. Oh, no, I do know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why you never wear a short skirt to a titty bar. You don't want to be sitting on the seat <sighs> with thighs oh, all hanging out. <laughs> some horsey sauce on that. Yeah. And the best kill, I think, in the movie, well, one of the best kills. They're all really good kills. But I love when he tosses the stripper pole to uh, one of the bouncers and then kicks it, kicks the bottom of it after the guy catches it, and it proceeds to electrocute him because he shoves the top end of it into a, a light that's hanging above the guy. <laughs> he kills a bouncer with Christmas lights. I mean... The variety and cleverness of the kills in this film is something that even the Friday the 13th franchise never got this good. It's very creative. You know? And again, this titty bar scene, he wipes out uh, four, eight people? That's like eight people and like... Not counting the strippers. Oh, no, I was counting the strippers. So maybe 12 people. Yeah, I think I think there was like eight strippers and then the bouncers. And let's talk about those strippers. What the fucking fuck is going on? Jesus Christ, more bolt-ons than a Hyundai. <laughs> so much silicone in that joint. Oh my god. And of course they're all they all just look so angry to be there and maybe just to be in that movie. But yeah, I think all that was all that was left of them after Santa burned the place down was just melted piles of, you know, plastic and saline. <laughs> that sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> so let's kind of get into the backstory now. Uh, Nicky, Nicholas, lives with his grandfather. I think he lives with his grandfather. He's at his grandfather's house a lot. <laughs> he lives with his grandfather because he doesn't, his parents aren't alive, so. He lives with his grandfather. He could live with the deli guy. <laughs> I'm just saying there are other options. So anyway, um, 
Grandpa doesn't like Christmas a whole lot. He never seems to have the Christmas spirit. But for some reason, he's got the Book of Claus. Now, the Book of Claus has the real Christmas story in it. And here's what fascinates me about this whole little bullshit tale that they tell in this movie. Jesus was an Immaculate Conception. And so was Satan. Satan was an Immaculate Conception, and his mother's name was Erica. That's really kind of anticlimactic for me. (laughs) I think it was the son of Satan that was Immaculate Conception. Isn't that how that went? God and Mary had Jesus through Immaculate Conception, and then Satan and Erica had Santa. Is that, okay, was that well? I, it would make sense to me that Satan would ball a chick named Erica. Right, <laughs> she was probably one of those strippers. I just found her at the Target, you know, <laughs> looking at fucking costume jewelry. <laughs> hey, you want to go get some uh, Mexican? I got an hour and a half. <laughs> Mexican. <laughs> so anyway, blah blah blah, Satan is a horrible person who has been immaculately conceived and he turns his birthday into, I can't some fucking Norse thing, but it means the day of slaying, which means he just goes around and kills everybody all day that day. And so the people then turn around and create the mass of Christ, which right. is the day after. Right, They're, just like Pat Robertson says, they've Christianized it, so it's okay. It's okay. It's perfectly fine with that. Um, an angel, and this is hilarious because it's fucking stop-motion animation, so it looks like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> so this angel comes down, and he's he takes the form of an old man, f- fucking Wonder Twins, Form of an old man! <laughs> Shape of a water buffalo! Um, so he challenges Santa to a contest, and it's a curling contest. Not getting your hair did, you're sliding rocks across ice, and um, the thing was, if Santa... Well, you had to get... I can't talk. Yeah, <laughs> if Santa, or, well, I don't know what the terms were, but ultimately it was if the angel won, then Santa had to stop killing on Christmas Eve every year, and he had to for a thousand travel years. The world, yes, for a thousand years, he had to travel the world, bringing joy and gladness to children around the world. So. You had to get your rock close to the hole, but not go in the hole. So it was kind of like curling and edging at the same time. <laughs> but if the so if the angel won, Santa has to be nice for a thousand years. If if Santa wins, then the angel has to go to hell and be his slave. Oh, okay. Is that how that worked? Yeah, that's that's that that was that. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. So Santa Anyway, goes, the angel won. <clears throat> You care nothing for suspense or stop-motion storytelling. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Well, why? Because you just said the Santa went first and he got his curling iron, or whatever they call it, really, really close to the hole. And then Santa uh, threw 
through his rock. <laughs> Santa whipped out his rock and knocked it against um, Satan, Santa's rock, and it went in the hole. So the old man who was really an angel won, and Santa had to be good for a thousand years. But that was exactly a thousand years ago. So now... Santa's back, baby. And yeah, that bet's over, and he's pissed because he doesn't want to be nice anymore. He wants to be. He wants. He, he wants to be a murdering asshole. Precisely that. <laughs> and on Christmas Day, Santa flies through the middle of town with his sleigh, and he destroys the nativity, and he chops off the statue of Joseph's head with an axe, and he sets the. <laughs> town Christmas tree on fire and chases the carolers away and the preacher who's, you know, who was actually in the titty bar when Santa went on his little rampage which is funny, the pastor's a real piece of shit so anyway he's leading the carolers and he ends up flying in the air and landing in Santa's sleigh and Santa knocks him the fuck out just pat, done (laughs) Well, and the lead up to all of this and kind of the the crux of the the plot for this movie is that so Grandpa Yulson has told Nicholas this story and everybody in town thinks that Grandpa is a little bit of a nutter anyway. And his grandson is starting to think maybe that they're right, that he is a little bit of a nutter because he comes home one day and finds that his grandpa has built a fucking like bomb shelter in the basement so that's why he's like, all right, you got to tell me this story about Christmas because I'm starting to think you're a complete loon. So he busts out the, the giant ancient book of claws and tells Nicholas the story. Um, so, Are you saying you your know, grandpa didn't have an anti-Santa bunker? No. Huh. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, the shit hits the fan, and Nicholas realizes that Grandpa is telling the truth when he goes to work um, at the deli and finds that uh, his boss, um, the, the Jewish Green. Bed, yes, Mr. Green, has been murdered by Santa Claus. With a menorah! I know. How's that for ironic? Right? Shoved a menorah through his throat and stuck him to the wall. And really, all Santa wanted was like some mayonnaise salad. <laughs> all that, and he just like took some some coleslaw, which, ew, that's weird. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he was hungry after all of his slayings. But the best part about that entire scene is that Goldberg actually spears the guy through the glass deli case. And okay, I'm uh, and again, and again, another spear from Goldberg. <laughs> Goldberg, Goldberg. So the rest of the movie, well, a big portion of the, the center part of this movie anyway is um, – the Santa kills Grandpa um, when the kids run back to the house uh, to to tell Grandpa that he was right and that Santa was there and you know that he's fucking up the town and um, as he's helping the kids get away, Santa runs over him with his 
sleigh or well he's standing in front of the sleigh and the sleigh runs over him so well the bison the bison or the reindeer or whatever the the fucking mechanical bull from gillies whatever the shit that thing is runs over him right so santa's santa grandpa not santa grandpa's dead yeah and santa is now chasing yulson jr and his cute little blonde girlfriend all over town they um well it's just, first of all it's it's there there are chases in this movie that need to be addressed <laughs> oh, there's the one where um right after mr green gets killed and nicky ends up at the police station and the police don't believe you know that somebody dressed like santa is killing everybody until santa comes in and wipes out every cop on the force fucking terminator style <laughs> Which is hilarious. Right. And then Santa like ends up in the back of the kid's truck and they try to top gun him where they like go real fast and then stop all of a sudden trying to push him out and they they try to shoot him and they can't shoot him. And then there's a, and then after the whole thing with grandpa, there's a snowmobile snowmobile chase through town <laughs> and they're running their snowmobile over cars and they're making jokes, but even more importantly the kids are falling more and more deeply in love. Ugh. You Santa's know it's true. I liked where Santa was throwing presents at them and they kept exploding like hand grenades all around them. That oh was my fun. god, well I liked it when those kids on Christmas morning opened their presents. Oh and yeah. And they exploded and blew the kids' heads off. <laughs> oh my god. There's a lot of this movie that is just so amazingly funny that even describing it just makes us you just like I don't fucking believe this is real. <laughs> there are there are a few sequences like that where it just kind of pulls you out of the story real quick just to show you something ridiculous and over the top. <laughs> but it's fun. I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. It's just that's some weird shit. Well, the whole thing is the kids are running away from Santa, and yes. yeah, they're basing their actions on the theory that once it turns midnight uh, at the base meridian, that's the North Pole time zone apparently, uh, then Christmas will be over and Santa's day of slaying will be over. Therefore, he has to go away or maybe he turns into a pumpkin. I don't know. If it turns midnight at Chase Meridian, that means nobody has to watch Batman forever anymore. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> so they're running away from him. They end up at the high school and they break in. And uh, so Santa's chasing them through the halls of the high school and they end up in a ice rink. Because this is apparently in Canada where you have ice rinks inside schools. We don't have that here. Oh, no, fuck. No. Of course they keep we cut- barely have classrooms in our schools. I was going to say, they keep cutting the funding around here. We barely have <laughs> books in our schools anymore. Exactly. Santa chases the kids on a Zamboni. It's fantastic. He's ch- He's driving a Zamboni around the ring, chasing the kids. And who should show up but Grandpa? Because guess what? Grandpa's an angel. Now, this is not really a surprise. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you haven't figured this shit out, you're probably like, 
five or six, in which case I hope I haven't just like spoiled everything. If you're five or six and you're listening to this show, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. So yeah, really, anybody who's listening to this to this show has figured out by now that Grandpa is the angel. Um, so again, we get another curling challenge. <laughs> And again, if Santa wins, then Grandpa the Angel has to go to hell. But if Grandpa the Angel wins, then Santa has to be good forever. And ever, and And ever, and ever. Yeah, so of course Santa cheats. Well, yeah, because he's a dick. Because fuck that noise. I mean, who wants to be good forever? That just is no fun at all. Yeah, he doesn't even throw a curling stone. He just throws Grandpa. (laughs) He just throws Grandpa right into a hole in the ice that leads down to hill. Yeah, Grandpa's a bit of an inventor. And we probably should have talked about this earlier, but I forgot that it was going to be important. Grandpa, Mm -hmm. like, makes weapons in his little anti-Santa bunker. And Nikki shoots Santa in the chest um, with, like, a weaponized Nutcracker doll. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Shoots a chest chestnut, I think, isn't that what it he said? A, yes. yes, shoots a chestnut right into his heart. Santa bolts, and the kids uh, hear Grandpa yelling. So apparently, he is—he's not fallen into the hole. He's just kind of clinging to the the ledge of it. Uh, so they're able to keep him from damnation. Yeah, they pull him out of hell. I'm not really sure what kind of theology this movie is espousing. <laughs> There are a lot of things that are weird and contradictory, but it's okay. Whatever. It's a lot of fun either way. Grandpa turns back into an angel, and the kids go to the local hunting club who was just sitting out there at night waiting for shit to shoot. And they're like, hey, you want to shoot a flying buck? And they're all like, yeah, whatever. And then they're like, okay, fuck. We see it now. Let's drag it this way. So they shoot the living shit out of the sleigh and the reindeer and guts drop from the sky and big chunks of reindeer meat. <laughs> yeah. But uh Santa wasn't on the sleigh, but the pastor was dressed like Santa. So the townsfolk all believe that the pastor of the local church just went nuts and started killing fucking everybody dressed in his Santa suit. Um, and that's pretty much how that story gets wrapped up the kids are well, they like f- they find the pastor impaled on a flagpole yeah <laughs> which is really funny and the pastor is played by dave thomas and you might remember dave thomas from his days on sctv he was half of the bob and doug mckenzie duo that was so popular there for a while and somebody really should have impaled him on a flagpole about the time he was start on grace under fire but that didn't happen <laughs> Oh, but it did happen in this movie. And, and I feel uh, much better about it. I feel justified almost. <laughs> but Santa gets away, and uh, we get kind of this, this closing shot of uh, of Goldberg dressed like a fucking big badass motorcycle guy. Yeah, he's like wearing an uh, Orange County Chopper's leather vest. Yeah, and he's boarding a plane. Heading back up to the North Pole. Back to the, back to the, oh, yeah, North Pole. I almost said South Pole. That's probably not right. Yeah, that's not right. South Pole's a lot warmer. Mm, no, that's not right either. He's going back to the Pole. 
<laughs> He's going back to the pole. So we don't really get any resolution on the story, but uh, Nicholas is, he says, you know, I have a feeling that my legacy hasn't ended or some my shit like that. My story isn't finished yet. Yeah. I have more there. things to do. <laughs> I might get it. laid once. <laughs> If he's lucky. Maybe. Anyway, I think that's going to wrap up Santa's sleigh. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No, not as of yet. We'll wait until we get into everything else for that. But, I don't know. I guess that then when we come back, we'll talk to Al. And we'll find out how things are in Nova Scotia for The Devil Eats Out. Back in a bit. Hi, I'm Randy Newman. And when the guys at Hell Mean asked me to send a message to kiss the goat, Oh, I had to think about it for, oh, two seconds. Yeah, man, I'm like it, show. Problem is, I had a stroke, so I don't know how this song is going to turn out, but we'll give it a go. Merry Christmas, kiss the goat. Richard Pryor likes to vote. X and Cody are real nice Now time for cheer and sacrifice They laugh and drink and then they swear I'm not wearing underwear Drinking games and devil flicks Backer the strap on knives All the best to KDG From your buddies that help me Merry Christmas, boy. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. Hey! Did you you know that in Greenland, the Inuit people have a traditional winter holiday dinner? It's known as Kiviak, and it sounds delicious. First, you have to gut a seal. And then, when your seal is nice and hollowed out, you fill it up with four or five hundred baby birds. Ox, to be exact. That's the name of the bird, is the ox. And you just shovel up inside that seal. Just heads, feathers, beaks, all of it. Whole thing. Just imagine your Han Solo shoving Luke Skywalker inside the Tauntaun on Hoth. And you hop up and down on it for a minute just to make sure you pushed all the air out of that seal filled with fucking baby birds. And then after that, you sew the seal shut with the birds inside. And you put a big rock on it then to make sure the seal doesn't accidentally pop open. Then you wait. Give it about seven months give or take a few days and during that time the bodies of the birds ferment inside the seal now when the seal is broken on the seal the seal seal (laughs) all those little birds are just in that seal's stomach and they're all ripe and shit ready to be eaten raw fuck Greenland. greenland the shit is that who the fuck even thought that would be a great idea? I don't understand yeah. anything. You know, I wonder if our food expert, Al McPherson, has ever created or consumed a Kiviak. Well, shit. There's only one way to find out. Let's ask him. It's time to travel via the magic of radio to the frothy shores of Nova Scotia to speak with Alan McPherson. 
Loosen your belt as the devil eats out. You, you can have dinner with us. You like head cheese. My brother makes it real good. You like it. And you know if you said two ripe bananas, you put them in a bowl and you put some sugar and you go ahead and bake it for 400, you can go ahead and pull it out and have yourself banana bread. Hallelujah. Pancakes. Pancakes. No pancakes. Pancakes. No pancakes. No fuck off. I'm full. So... Before we get into um, what 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 you've cooked, are there any kind of Nova Scotian Christmas myths, holidays, or traditions that we should be aware of? Well, I was kind of uh, looking into it a bit, and I was had a, a bit of a chat with a friend of mine who's um, a fellow named Steve Vernon, who is the most cowboy maritimer you'll ever likely meet. Right um, he's a big, tall dude with uh, usually wears large hats and uh, speaks in as close to like a maritime drawl as uh, I've ever encountered. And Steve's a good guy, um, but he's been doing a lot of work on sort of spooky Nova Scotia maritime folklore stuff. Is he a singer? Is he the one who sings "You Can't Be Nova Scotian If You Don't Like Fish"? <laughs> I think he does sing that, but only when he's drunk and it's not actually been recorded. Damn it! Okay. And I think he's usually putting the boots to somebody while he's while he's doing it. Right, that, that's a, that is a catchy ass song, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you heard of that. <laughs> I do my due diligence, sir. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That's a good deep dive. <laughs> uh, but he had an interesting tidbit uh, of something that I guess I had heard about before, but. Um, not actually you know, paid a lot of mind to, but involves the sort of uh, traditions around Christmas pudding. Okay. And the, uh, I, I guess the sort of like boiled or steamed pudding that would be like uh, done in a muslin bag and, uh, you know, submerged into like a boiling or rolling pot, uh, which, you know, is not the most common thing anymore. It's still in Newfoundland, you hear about a dish called figgy duff that is essentially that same kind of idea. Um, and that's one of the few holdouts of it. But there is, um, there's a lot of uh, folklore surrounding the Christmas pudding. And what I find especially interesting about it is that um, it revolves around the, uh, the cooking and the preparation of it, that the, once your pudding is submerged in water while it's like kind of setting up, it needs to be rotated but only in one specific direction. You can't just go willy-nilly stirring it around. And it's got to be done, I believe it's a rotation of 13 times, uh, what was it, from, from in the, from the direction of like west to east. And you don't deviate from that. You don't do it too much, you don't do it too little, and you don't do it in the wrong direction. Um, so one would assume that there are some stakes to this. Uh, but uh, we have not been able to come up with any scenarios where uh, someone violated these rules. So you can probably assume that the consequences of doing so are pretty dire to the point where any poor fools that have done so uh, have simply disappeared off the face of the earth. The boiled pudding hags came up from the pot and destroyed them. Something to that effect, (laughs) I would guess. It's... uh, you know, I, I don't really even want to kind of push my luck with like doing a little research trying to find out. Um, if I had a larger staff and there was somebody I was looking to do some, you know, progressive discipline with, <laughs> I might assign them 
you know, just to see. In the Some early, expendable like, busser. Hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's maybe you know maybe some like front of house person who's been like you know selling the kitchen out to like boost their tips or whatever could leave them a little note on their prep sheet for the next day. Yeah, here's a little recipe I'd like you to work on. Gina, you're a Get shitty hostess. You're on pudding duty. <laughs> um, so that is one of the peculiar. Uh, uh, Atlantic Canadian Maritime uh, seasonal. It's yeah, it's not even so much a tradition. It's more of like a warning of not breaking with the tradition, which I find quite curious because there's usually a morality tale involved in any of these sort of things, right? I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's it called in Newfoundland? A figgy duff? Because I have a I have a good friend who's a newfie, and he's actually visiting home right now. He's in Newfoundland. Oh, right out. Yeah, it's um. I, b- I believe that's the name of the uh, the, the uh, like steamed fig-based uh, pudding, and uh, it would be the sort of thing um, where it would be like in an effort to uh, maximize your resources. Figgy Duff sounds like a terrible Guns N' Roses tribute band. So <laughs> it's actually a terrible Celtic rock. But Axel wore, wore uh, kilts for a while there, so I guess it all kind of comes around full well, circle. He didn't have any pants that fit. He had to. <laughs> pants that didn't fit or pants that weren't dubiously stained. <laughs> yeah, I think they showed off his serpentine maybe a little too much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm. So here's the question. Have you ever, mm. have you ever created... Or been involved in the preparation of a kivyak? I have not. That's kind of amazing. Is that the word you're going with? Because um, <laughs> it's uh, it's the amazing in conjunction with kinda. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the well, you know, they are the masters of fermenting things, or. The masters of, like, not dying after eating things that would drop a bull elephant. Yeah, right? Um, mm, yeah, that's an impressive bit of intestinal fortitude uh, right there. So do you, ha- do you have access to video of this sort of thing? Um, I can probably get video of it, yeah. Wow. That will send it wow. your way. No, you got me stumped on that. That's, that, that's, got, me, that's got me thinking, like, midwinter menus. But it takes like seven Probably. months for it to ferment. You'd have to start in the late spring. I'm sure I could call Cisco. I'm sure. You know, they probably <laughs> have something, some simulation kit. That, uh... <laughs> hey, Brian. <laughs> this week I need some of those New York cheesecakes you guys sell. <laughs> A seal and 500 baby ox. <laughs> Actually, I am. I, one of my food distributors is going to be getting an email in the early part of next week. <laughs> Excellent. Just just looking for specs on a particular product. Yeah. No this is hurry. A very special like project. Next month and a half. <laughs> I just want to see his reaction. <laughs> Doing this in conjunction with the Greenpeace project at the at the museum. Uh, yeah, we're doing some uh, an exercise in local and sustainable. 
we think this could really catch on. That's right. Uh, Make it yeah. a baby seal. We'll just call it Join the Club. Um, <laughs> God, the terribleness is just coming out. <laughs> you got to love human in, uh, innovation, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's, that. you know, you got to wonder, like, all the failed attempts. <laughs> there actually was an attempt where they used a bird other than auk. I think it was elder, eider, something like that, but it was a different yeah. bird and not the auk, and eight people died of botulism. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right? Okay. I mean, you would think, just because obviously the seal is nature's oven, that that would be okay mm. <laughs> to use a different bird, but apparently not. Apparently there are some enzymes that don't play well together. That's fantastic. See, this is why I need like a like a CSI kind of lab. Shit. You know? <laughs> so you can blacklight your food before cooking it? Yeah, well, like, you know puree everything up and samples and run it through a centrifuge and you know then have like some kind of heads up digital display with a soundtrack that will tell me if they're toxic or not like that would and then I would love to have the health inspector over for that like let's go to the big board right and then some anonymous person sent you a miniature diorama of your kitchen Yeah, my entire, like, cleaning uh, regimen would be set up on AutoCAD. <laughs> so I know exactly how it's going to play out before it does. I wouldn't even have to be there. I wouldn't even have to sell food at that point. No. I could just, like, run a program and my customers would leave happy. <laughs> this has changed my life. I know where 2017 is going now. See? This is this is just one of the advantages of being on Kiss the Go. Having all these things presented to you and open. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about your uh, so tell us about your chicken. Uh, more importantly, did you choke it first? Um, it came pre-choked. Pre-choked so, chicken. What yeah. a world we live in. It pre-choked and leached. It was uh, it was all fine. <laughs> I, so this. I had never seen Santa's sleigh before, and um, I'm going to chalk that up to like a, a terrible marketing failure on the part of the film. <laughs> That's probably uh, accurate. Because I it was what 2005. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I probably would have been in the thrall of like that wave of J horror, Korean horror that was like right on flooding the DVD scene at the time. Oh yeah. So, you know, that was all really exciting and interesting. So a single um, WWE Studios film featuring, you know, Bill Goldberg's extreme close-up face with a beard and holding up like a hokey knife or a giant icicle or something like that glowering at the camera. Um, It didn't really, like, catch my attention compared to, you know... um, Tokyo Gore Nurses or something like that, right? right. But uh, <laughs> if, uh, um, maybe I just invented something I want to see. Meatball but, machine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. But had I known that the tone of the film was going to be what it was, like some kind of less of like a late era uh, slasher entry and more of a weird homage to like every 80s action film like complete with police station massacre 
uh, roadhouse brawl, uh, street tough attempting to mug somebody and having that turned on them, mixed with sort of a light, like, Fright Night kind of uh, atmosphere to it. I probably would have seen that, let alone uh, James Caan. Right. <laughs> the opening moment? The hell? Uh, <laughs> Like, if, if, if I had seen that original video box with, like, uh, Bill Goldberg, James Caan, um, I, I would have seen that in 2005. But, oh, hell um, yeah. How could you not? Yeah, exactly. So, I, in my mind, I was like, all right, I'll watch this. I'll do some kind of, like, hokey version of a Santa Claus cookie that will maybe, you know, have something red and oozing in it when you bite into it and that sort of thing. So, I start watching this earlier today, to be honest. And, uh, like, whoa, okay, this is, I'm totally changing my mind on where I'm going with this, so I, I sort of did a quick raid of everything that I had kicking around to try to reconfigure stuff, and uh, I, I did take a bit of inspiration from the, from that very opening scene with the, uh, horrible, uh, as James Caan's character, uh, commented, what looked like a dehydrated turkey leftover from Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I decided this this is a good opportunity for a teachable moment on moisture management. And, yes! Uh, how one gets a good crispy skin on a piece of poultry that you're roasting whole. So that became my immediate focus. That and the fact that I was going to be using scotch to, uh, to make it so. So um, what I wanted to do was do a, in spite of the fact that I'm in Canada and it's probably like minus 10 or so Celsius, um, I wanted to uh, roast a chicken over charcoal um, with the idea being I'm going to get that skin on it as crispy and nice as, get, get it nice and dark as possible. Right, right. And that, yeah, so and that involves sort of riffing on the uh, old Chinese technique, uh, one of the many that's used for getting the blisteringly crispy skin on a Peking gut. And a large portion of that is basting it in alcohol. So, oh, okay. Yeah, just so just like if you, you know, you use rubbing alcohol on yourself uh, to, like, clean a wound or whatever, you know that the alcohol evaporates so much more readily than water does, for example. See, I thought it that, meant just sending it to Boca Raton for the winter and having it drink Jack and Ginger. <laughs> Who's got time for that? <laughs> Old people. <laughs> well, I mean, if I had enough time to like load a seal full of ox, but yeah, uh, right, okay, point you know, taken. Right? Like, sorry, yeah, I, I do not, you know, <laughs> standing <laughs> my, my, down. <laughs> <laughs> my plan, <laughs> my, <laughs> my long term planning is not that solid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a, it's a pretty straightforward process that if you're just constantly basting the skin of something um, that, or the surface area of something that you're cooking, like especially kind of slow roasting uh, with something that evaporates faster than water, you're going to draw the water off the surface of the skin. So you're going to have a drier area that's being affected by the heat, which means it's going to crisp up faster. So this explains uh, Margot Kidder. Well, and it explains part of Margot Kidder. <laughs> it's still... The, you're reeling back around to uh, Black Christmas again, aren't you? I am. I can't help it. Sorry. Mm. She's an easy target, and I suck. That's really what it is. I'm not... I'm not brilliant at this. <laughs> oh. I, I almost got kicked out of my favorite bar back in the day uh, because I found, I found some insidious wonderful humor in uh, 
when Margot Kidder was discovered after her uh, nervous breakdown some years ago. Under the porch? <laughs> yeah, and I, I made some kind of comment about her calling out for Superman to come and help her, but he couldn't because he was in a chair. <laughs> and, uh, it seemed really funny to me, but apparently I was the only one at the time. Anyway. It's still really um, funny. So there you go. <laughs> it's still funny to me, damn it. Going um, to hell, going to hell. <laughs> yeah. Tis the season. Um, speaking of hell, Santa's sleigh was set in a town called Hell. Hell's Township, yes. Yeah, I like to think that this was actually a sequel to the uh, Clint Eastwood Western uh, High Plains Drifter. Holy crap! Yeah, right? Oh, I want that to be true. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think an argument could be made, you know? We could say either High Plains Drifter or Hell Comes to Frogtown. Absolutely. Well, then you get the wrestling tie in there again. Yeah, see? This all yeah, works out. Exactly. It, it does all make sense now. Yes. <laughs> and so, uh, on that note, uh, Bill Goldberg, is he, not the mo- is he not the most hated person in Canada? I didn't realize, like, ends Bret Hart's career, kills Saul Rubinek. <laughs> <laughs> he really should be an enemy of my people. <laughs> like, not to mention Dave Thomas. Right? But, I mean, I think that's a problem that Dave Thomas always had ever since, like, the early days of SCTV, is being mistaken for Bill Goldberg. I think he's been doing, I think Dave Thomas most recently has been doing, like, a TV pitch person for, I don't know, like a a micro fast food chain in Canada or something like that. I saw him on television not that long ago, and it kind of made me want to cry, so. I thought he was just living in Joe Flaherty's backyard. I don't think Joe Flaherty has a backyard. I I mean, it might be a shared one in the condo development that he's a part of, but, yeah. (laughs) So sad. It's so sad. I mean, the respect that I have for Rick Moranis for just, like, bowing out and deciding, no, I'm a klezmer musician. Right? Yeah. Yeah, good for you, buddy. Like, anyway. um, (laughs) We digress so easily. It's so funny. it's, it's like, wow, it's almost we started... like a natural default position. <laughs> it is. It's like we started here, and then, whoa, we are way the fuck over here. Mm. <laughs> I, I blame Cootie for being ill and not being able to keep us She's not going, all right, guys. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Back to the chicken, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but the big point with with the chicken um, and, and doing a roast was... Um, as I kind of alluded to you earlier, Christmas is certainly the the schmaltiest of the holidays. It is. And when I see uh, Saul Rubinick's like uh, Jewish delicatessen owner in this, it's like, oh, we should literally put the schmaltz back into Christmas. <laughs> so we're, this film sort of is, like takes itself and wants to base itself on sort of an inside-out version of Santa Claus. I decided what I wanted to do to serve this and sort of a a little riff on, you know, a, a roast piece of poultry that you would, would typically see at a Christmas dinner. I wanted to do sort of like turning the stuffing and the gravy into sort of flipping the ingredients of those. So what I actually did for this was a, a, a slow roasted uh, chicken giblet gravy. Oh. So, yes. Me being me, I had a half a pound of chicken giblets, um, or chicken gizzards actually. Uh, kicking around 
and uh, a bunch of rendered chicken fat or schmaltz. So what I did is I took the giblets and uh, dredged them in a little bit of salt, let them firm up for a couple hours and washed them off and then started slowly poaching them in the chicken grease until they started getting nice and tender. And uh, it's pretty good. It smells pretty good. It's uh, not necessarily the thing you want to do in a household with three dogs because after a few hours they start getting really loopy and uh, they're running around like sort of randomly smelling things and getting under your feet. So <clears throat> that is a bit of a downside. But um, so then you get these like nice to roast. They almost get like, uh, if you let them go long enough, like kind of that chewy, crispy thing, like a, like a pork rind or a chicharron, that kind of a deal. And yeah, so it, it's almost like a sort of a chicken crouton. You almost see if I can eat that. <laughs> which is not a bad thing. Um, so then just as the gravy base, I just uh, drained the fat off, added some chicken stock and a bit of wine uh, to the gizzards, heated that up, and then the fat that I had uh, rendered off basically made a roux by combining that with about an equal amount of uh, white flour, cooking that up a bit until it becomes kind of like a almost a consistency of mashed potato is uh, what you want and then using a little bit of that at a time to thicken up the, uh, the gravy now is it and true that, that the darker the roux the better off the dish is oh I'm going to have to did I just open up context? a can of worms here well this is geographically specific <laughs> okay okay you're coming from the southern US right so I think I would categorically say yes. All right, then. That, that that's what you're going to be gunning for. Because I think as a white Canadian, a.k.a. super Yankee, um, <laughs> I would probably be pilloried if I ever suggested, like, a white, or in the, in the French terminology, a blonde roux would ever be a good idea. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know uh, in some, like... In a lot of areas in North America, just the, just the word "woo" itself should mean something that's almost black, right. and is just like cook the heck out of. And those are ones that are usually made with animal fats as opposed to butter. Right. So it, Except again, for maybe like a stroganoff or something. If you're building a stroganoff sauce, exactly. Yeah, then you can blonde that up a little bit. Exactly. Okay. That would, like most things in life, it comes down to what you want your end result to be. Right. And that will determine the, uh, the best practices, not the other way around. Well, and of course, here in America, white. So, <laughs> seems to be the overriding uh, factor these days. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being proud of your white gravy. <laughs> Too many years, we've not been allowed to enjoy our chalky, white, tasty gravy. <laughs> That's right, damn it. All interfered with, with flavor and such. Mm. I just want to feel that flour grit under my tongue. That's all I'm after. It's not so much a sauce, but a really loose biscuit. <laughs> right. <laughs> a deconstructed biscuit. Served over, <laughs> served over biscuits. <laughs> it's kind of like the Costco's uh, blue period of, uh, of biscuit making. <laughs> building different layers oh, of biscuitry. So for the skin of the chicken, though, to get it crispy, you're, you're using scotch, right? Yeah, I'm using scotch in this That's case. That's crazy. 
It's crazy, but it's the hard liquor that I had on hand. Okay, and, well, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, but also, too, that it's uh, it kind of goes with uh, the, the hardwood and the uh, and the smoke that I'm that I'm putting on it. So you already have that sort of um, the sort of wood peaty, smoky flavors in there too. So in some respects, that is just a way of boosting it ahead. But in all honesty, if I had a bottle of wild turkey around, that that would have been my go-to. Fair enough. Okay, so you've got the turkey in your. Are you just roasting it? This isn't like a beer can kind of chick. I said turkey. I meant chicken. Bird. Oh. Is it like a beer can kind of chicken or anything like that? No, because I actually, I forgot. That was my other uh, little uh, Saul Rubinick nod. Uh, <laughs> I made a nearly traditional bread stuffing that I threw into it. Okay. But I made it out of uh, Montreal bagels. Nice! Yeah, so I happen to have on my menu right now, on our um, sort of uh, hand-wringing homage to 2016 and everyone who's passed away this year, um, I've got a, a little a dish that's uh, indebted to uh, Leonard Cohen, so it has a lot of Montreal things going on on it. So I do have quite a, I have quite a supply of bagels that I had brought in from Montreal for that. So I made sort of a traditional like onion sausage um, celery style uh, bread stuffing for a bird, right. but I used these uh, Saint Fauture uh, uh, Montreal like classic Montreal style bagels. So they have that sort of semi crunchy, chewy exterior um, that they brown up and crisp up really, really nicely. So I basically used that to uh, pop inside of the, uh, the cavity of Mr. Chicken. And uh, so, yeah, so when I did that over the grill, um, I just basically left it backside down for the majority of the cooking until it was, until it was pretty much cooked all the way through. And then just flipped it over and put the, uh, the skin directly over the, uh, over the flame for like the last 10 minutes. That sounds amazing. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. And festive by the gods for this Christmas holiday extravaganza. <laughs> all 12 of them. Yes. The entire pantheon rejoices in this <laughs> particular meal. Mm. And how about you, sir? What what are you folks getting up to culinary-wise for the, the holiday day? Well, we've already had um, Yule for the family. So mm -hmm. we had, oh my goodness, there was much um, treat-making. Um, my stepdaughter made haystack, and of course, cootie. They worked together in tandem to make butterscotch haystacks, um, nice. oatmeal scotchy cookies, something they call Christmas crack, which is really just chocolate, melted chocolate and peanuts that you put in a slow cooker and then oh, wicked. and then just drop them out on some wax paper until they cool out and then you just eat the shit out of it because yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, like, that's, like, that's like high food, you know? Like, <laughs> like when you're drunk, you go to the shittiest diner or like the Waffle House, whatever, it's like, wow, give me grease and just pork and shit. And this is the candy equivalent of that. It's like you're drunk and you're like, God, that's what crunchy and salty and sweet that's going to melt on my hand and I don't care. <laughs> so that was pretty great. Um, I made my world famous hash brown casserole for breakfast dinner. Oh. Scrambled up about a dozen and a half eggs that we just all chowed down. That's awesome. The hash brown casserole is something I learned when I worked at a bed and breakfast, so it's kind of a cheat. 
but it's essentially diced hash browns instead of shredded. Right. Then you fry those up until they've actually got some crisp on them. And then you combine that with um, a pack of, say, Colby Jack cheese, or in this case I use quesadilla cheese, a small tub of sour cream, two cans of condensed cream of potato soup, and two packs of uh, little beef cocktail sausages. Oh, nice. And you just mix it all up, you put it into a pan, you top it with some shredded mild cheddar or Colby Jack, and you bake that thing for 45 minutes, and then you eat the shit out of it because it is amazing. That sounds fantastic. Super simple, super great. <laughs> and you know what, like, honestly, this is that's one of the things that, like, holiday cooking usually bugs the heck out of me. Condensed because cream soups? No, because people go bonkers, like, trying to cook a 26-pound bird uh, in an oven that's not meant to do it while having 25 different side vegetable dishes and absolutely none of them are, you know, come out well and everyone is stressed out about it and it defeats the purpose of it. You don't get to spend time with your guests that ostensibly you're going through all this work for. It's so much better to just to have, like, something that is you know is going to be delicious and you know is going to be a crowd pleaser yeah. and everyone can hang out and enjoy it like that that to me is totally the way to go all right well before we before we wind this up if you would tell the uh yes tell our lovely listening audience about where you can be found and the restaurant and the museum and all that good stuff just pimp yourself like 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 bobby Rhodes. that'll teach you to touch things Oh, okay. I'll have to limber up. Um, (laughs) Well, my name is Alan McPherson. I'm a chef and owner of a restaurant called Picnic, and we are located in uh, Dartmouth, Nova Scotia. We are attached to the Dart Gallery, which is uh, uh, an art gallery that features um, maritime-produced art. It's sort of in a pop art, but not necessarily quite so cheeky vein. And uh, we are, yeah, we're there to host your social engagement slash uh, hunger needs at any time. And if you ever happen to be in the uh, Dartmouth Halifax area, pop on by and uh, say howdy. Excellent. Alan, thank you so much for being on the show again. As, as, as far as Cody and I are concerned, you're just your co-host now. You don't even have to do oh, anything. Thanks, you don't have to do anything different. Just, you know, you're... There you go. You're co-host now. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It's a lot of fun for me, and I like hanging out with you guys. Excellent. And the next time you're in Nova Scotia, especially if you live in Nova Scotia, then you're in Nova Scotia. And while you're there, you should visit Al's Restaurant Picnic to experience his food and his incredible Alness. <laughs> he is perpetually Alan. So let's wrap up our coverage of Santa's sleigh by jumping into what is allegedly the fastest movie breakdown on the internet. Three questions! Three questions! <laughs> Stop! Who would cross the bridge of death must answer me these questions three? The other side, you see. 
Question number one. Is Santa Slay a devil movie? Well, the big red one himself doesn't show up, but his son does. <laughs> Little red, red one. one. Red Junior. <laughs> Little Red Rocket. <laughs> uh, no, it's not a devil movie. It's oh, hella fun, though. Fuck no, it's not even close to a devil movie. That's <laughs> ridiculous. <clears throat> so, question number two is, on a scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give Santa Slay? You know what? There's really a lot to love about this movie. First of all, it's just fucking weird because it, it messes with Jews as much as it messes with Christians. And I don't even think Jews do the the Santa thing. But, I mean, they're like Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews in this movie. They're Jew jokes about something's not too kosher in this deli. I mean, just... It's very strange. So it's kind of like an all-opportunity offender as far as that goes. But there are so many horrible puns in this, and it never takes itself too seriously, even though, according to an article by the AV Club, there's a body count of over 30 in this movie. (laughs) Santa kills a lot of fucking people. Yep. Um... But it's so lighthearted and it's so fun for a movie where 30 people fucking die. So um, I can't even, I can't, four and a half. Yeah? Yeah, four and a half. That's pretty close. I was going to give it a solid four. I love this movie. It's so much fun to me. It is a lot of fun. Which kind of begs the next question, which is why should our listeners watch Santa Slay or should they? Yes, you should watch Santa's Slay for no other reason to, than to see, you know, Goldberg dressed as Santa kill 30 fucking people in Goldberg. increasingly creative ways. <laughs> it really is just so much. I mean, it's clever. The banter is nonstop. I just really, really enjoy this movie. I don't know if I'd enjoy it like in July. <laughs> right. You know, but right around this time of year, yeah, this is pretty friggin' sweet. So, yeah, watch Santa's sleigh. <laughs> yep. Well, we don't know what your favorite drink is. Maybe it's a festive holiday punch colored in a natural shade of red or green. Or maybe it's eggnog, even though that's really gross and you shouldn't drink that shit. I love eggnog. I'm not sure how much you can be trusted right now. How many dinners have you had? All the dinners? <laughs> There's no more dinners. No more dinners, okay. Well, regardless of your holiday drink of choice, we're here to help you do it while watching Bill. Goldberg! Goldberg! Right. Dispense his own kind of Christmas justice in Santa's sleigh. Grab a glass, kids. It's time for Drinking with the Devil, where your love of movies meets your disdain for your own liver. Okay, drink whenever Grandpa... Um... 
Looks like he might have just soiled himself. <laughs> okay. He's kind of <laughs> grimy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, let's see. We'll start you off easy. Drink every time somebody drops the F-bomb. Oh, yeah. That's not too bad. That's not yeah. too bad. Drink every time there's a Jew joke. That's a good one, too. And that's legit. I mean, I'm not trying to be like some kind of weird, you know, anti-Semite, because that's certainly not my intention, but there are a lot of Jew jokes in this movie. It's like Mel Brooks-level Jew jokes in this movie. Yeah, I started to say, I think it's Jews poking each other, poking fun at it's Jews, themselves. It is Jews poking each other. Poking, yeah. And that's, that. and that's unorthodox. Maybe. Kosher. I don't know. <laughs> okay, drink every time something explodes. <laughs> and finally, our Grandmaster Challenge, drink whenever Goldberg, Goldberg. Drink whenever Goldberg kills somebody, because that's at least 30 times, and we know this. There you go. And you need that in your system. Please be aware that Goldberg does not in any way condone alcohol abuse or underage drinking. However, they've always worked for him. And you. What? And me. Yes. Anyway, now it's time to see if anybody loves us. It's time for America's favorite game of questioning and answering. Ask the Goat, where we answer your questions and you question our answers. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker! You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker! You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever! So here's... Um... <laughs> so here's uh-huh. here's how this works. You should um, send us questions for Ask the Goat really at any time. You can get with us on our Facebook group page, which remarkably is on Facebook. You can leave a message for us on the Goat Line, 865-309-4969. Leave us a message whenever you want. Or you can also send us an email to askthegoat at kissthegoat.com. That's a lot of goats. That's lots of... That's a lot of goats. (laughs) Holy shit, that's a lot of goats. All right. So, um, who's got our first question? Do you know? No, I don't know. Do you know? I know. Yay, I'm glad one of us knows. Our first question is from Matthew Tangent. Matt. Hey, guys, this is Matt the Angry Ginger. Got a couple questions for you. So a favorite, favorite type of candy cane, and also what is your favorite holiday alcoholic beverage? Yep, not too hard this time. I'm not going to be mean. Anyways, happy holidays. Bye, guys. Hmm. I have never really gotten into those fancy dancy candy canes. Just give me straight peppermint and I'm a happy girl. Yeah, I agree. I don't know why candy canes have to taste like something else. Right. You know, I don't want a Jolly Rancher candy cane. I don't want a fucking uh, Skittles candy cane. That's heresy. Yeah, yet they exist. That is candy blasphemy, so I don't need that. I just want peppermint. (laughs) 
candy canes is what I want. Yep. And as far as my favorite holiday drink goes, um, I really like um, mold cider, mold apple cider with brandy. In fact, just give me the bottle of brandy because I will just fucking sip on it all winter. It might take more than one bottle, but <laughs> so here, so here's what's funny. I really do like eggnog, but it I does. don't like it spiked. <laughs> a lot of people just use eggnog as an excuse to drink rum, and I think that's a travesty. I will drink eggnog just straight from the fucking uh, carton because that's delicious, mm-hmm. thick, nutmeggy goodness. Um, but I guess as far as a, hol- a holiday drink, um, not fucking hot buttered rum. I know that much. Fuck no. Um, yeah, I like the I like I like the mold cider. I like some hot mead. <laughs> <laughs> I do hot mead. Hot mead. And um, what else do I like in, in the um? Oh, oh, you know what's really nice and warming in the holiday season is uh, Dr. Pepper and Fireball. Oh, uh, yeah, we do uh, like some Fireball. That's, that's that's some deliciousness. Cinnamon, cinnamon, So our next Ask the Goat question comes from Misty Marchant from the Black Anis podcast, which you should all be listening to after you are not done this with, with us. Um, so Misty wants to know, what is the best position for double penetration? (laughs) We'll let you know when we figure that out, Misty. We're thinking it's maybe South, Southwest. (laughs) Definitely South. I know that, but... (laughs) That sounds right. I think that's... (laughs) <laughs> Let me see if I can install that GPS system and we'll uh see if we can work that out geographically. <laughs> Bent over? Is that the answer? I... <laughs> One leg on the bar? I'm not <laughs> I think all of these are correct, actually. So I'm okay, I think, I'm, yeah. I'm okay with. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm okay with that. Thanks for sending in your questions, Matt and Miss Day. You guys are awesome, and we appreciate you for for giving us something to ponder and, and for padding about. out the show. Because right, yeah, well, because we don't <laughs> ramble enough. <laughs> But before you leave us here in our beautiful library. It's really the bathroom. God damn it. You're not supposed to tell them that. That's where all the books are. Before you leave us here in our beautiful library, we wanted to share with you one final holiday tradition. On holidays in Kentucky, well, regardless of the season, but also during the beautiful winter season, one of the most highly regarded activities is a beanbag toss game called cornhole it's true i i don't know why it's called cornhole but it is and to celebrate this time-honored game we'd like to present a brand new song 
This holiday song is called Cornhole for Christmas. South where we never get much snow, so for holidays we celebrate outside. We'll barbecue a turkey and play some outdoor games, but it's way too cold to use the slip and slide. Take a big old piece of press board and cut you out three holes. Jack up one end and raise it like a ramp. To make some bean bags and sew them up real tight, then go see who can take it like a champ. Cornhole for Christmas, run and get up your wood and show your shiny cornhole to the whole neighborhood. Cornhole for Christmas, it's just a game we play. What could be better than to get cornhole on Christmas Day? To paint them pink or blue Just don't be too concerned about which hole you get it in It won't matter after five or six more brews Cornhole for Christmas, my sack is really smooth It helps reduce the friction when I make my cornhole moves Cornhole for Christmas, fun for the family Kiss the Goat Holiday Extravaganza. Thanks to everyone for joining us here in the library. It's the crapper. How often do I have to say it until you know? Thanks to Bo and the Legion podcast crew. Thanks to everyone who sent in a message or an Ask the Goat question. All two of you, thank you. (laughs) And thanks to you, our beloved acolytes, for keeping this slate of Bucketyville slaying. Our New Year's resolution is to lose your weight and to keep making funny movie shows with good cooking and terrible bad language. 
also on behalf of Al McPherson, I'm Cootie. My name is X. Hail Santa! Santa. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's that's right, Santa. <laughs> been able to do that on a laptop before. I cold water on it and um, talk about its mother, so. Sometimes you'll have that. Well, it's never bad when you get to come first. <laughs> you'll never hear me complain. It's in this room where we keep our great literary treasures, a crystal decanter of brandy, and a large overstuffed leather chair. Well, large overstuffed leather chairs. Let me try that again. <laughs> Just one. I have to sit on a folding chair that we stole from our Presbyterian church. <laughs> well, I enjoy it ever so much. I'm a Christian, I said, but if I had to whip out my old shriveled winger for a sexual orgy on Saturnalia, I would not enjoy that. <laughs> I'll fix it. I was ready to talk, and then I wasn't ready to talk anymore. So, Sam, <laughs> no, 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 you, your turn. Yeah, it's it's more about the saying that you did it than the enjoying that you did it. Oh, okay. kind of like the Mile High Club. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Okay. Especially if you have a sinus. Yeah, pretty good. Drink. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Five.